So, Mark. Yes. In our 100th episode earlier this year, our wonderful benefactors at Square Apron demanded, we think, that we cover a bunch of Christmas movies. Okay. You might recall Tony A. Anthony sent us a briefcase with a bunch of $100 bills and a copy of Nick Fallalonga's Christmas CD, New York City Christmas. Of course. How could I forget? Mr. Anthony is a cryptic man. We've been trying to understand it. We think this means we were supposed to cover a bunch of Christmas movies. So this week, we are starting that off. And we are starting it with a real stinker. (laughs) Well, it fits the music that we were sent by Mr. Anthony. That is true. It is almost as bad as a Nick Vallelonga Christmas album. It's all the same song, just in different languages. That's horrible. (laughs) It is pretty fun, though. I gotta tell you. If you have not listened to New York City Christmas in Spanish, you must. Hmm. We'll see. I might be busy. (laughs) Always. (laughs) For the rest of time. I'm perpetually busy. Anyway. Because we're going to be doing this for Square Apron, the all-in-one platform that lets you build delicious websites in the comfort of your own home, I thought that we should start off by talking about our favorite holiday movie tropes. Like, what are things that happen in Christmas movies, and maybe only in Christmas movies, that stand out to you? I feel like my favorite Christmas movie trope is the fact that feminism hasn't existed yet. (laughs) Or will never exist. Because the point of every Christmas movie I've watched is that women should give up their careers. Especially, like, the made-for-TV ones. Yeah. I like the fact that that there are elves living amongst us as little old shopkeepers and things like that. Like in The Princess Switch. Yes. A great movie. Is it? (laughs) A fun movie. So they're making a sequel to this. Oh, I'm excited. We need to discuss. The new character's name is Fiona, so don't you dare say anything bad about this movie. So the premise of this movie is that there is a third Vanessa Hudgens. (laughs) Netflix knows exactly what it's doing. (laughs) They know that the only way for this to work is to continue to add Vanessa Hudgens (laughs) until in the year 2165, it is the Princess Switch one million hundred. You guys, it sounds to me like they're stealing our idea for the Parent Trap sequel. Yeah. And we should we should get money for this. Yeah, they clearly listen to the show. Obviously. And they owe us. Yeah. So that's one thing. Princess Switch 2 will be out next year. I We will probably cover it. Can't wait. Um, Thinking on other Christmas movies we've talked about, have you yet seen the Rob Lowe Safari Christmas movie? Not yet, but I just watched the trailer this morning. Okay, because we talked about that last year on the show. Yes, I've been excited for a year. Okay, so you would not be guilty of my favorite TV Christmas movie trope, which is that it is a character flaw to not be really into Christmas. (laughs) It is a character flaw. Yeah, it is the most damning thing in the world to not care exclusively about Christmas. And you can't even, like, being apathetic is just as bad as hating Christmas. Or just being casually into Christmas. Yeah, it indicates a deeper character flaw where you're probably a terrible person. Last year, I talked about Mingle All the Way, which was a new one that I saw and loved and starred Jen Lilly, like the one we're talking about this week. And in that one, she is like publicly shamed for not being able to identify the species of different Christmas trees on site. (laughs) No one cares about Christmas this much. No. No one has built their entire year-long identity around Christmas to the extent that you seem to be required to in these movies. As we record, I have not yet seen the... 2019 major release last Christmas. Uh, Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, I hate it. I'm like at war with this trailer. (laughs) It is so long. 
it's like where do you go Bernadette levels of trailer hate from me because it is so long it's terribly paced and like I have to watch the great Michelle Yeoh neg Amelia Clark by being like oh yeah we call her lazy the elf because she doesn't like to work and when you started working here you loved Christmas what happened to you it's like who cares it's her job. It seems like she went through a terrible accident and needed a heart replacement, which might take some jingle out of your step, <laughs> Michelle Yo. I, I cannot wait. If only for the fact that the song Last Christmas will be played in this movie, and I am excited enough for that. I mean, the premise is that it is based on the song. And it's written by Academy Award winning screenwriter Emma Thompson. I know. I will be seeing it. Michelle Yeoh deserves better. I like the Crazy Rich Asians reunion though. With her and Henry Golding. Yeah. Who is clearly like an angel or something in this movie. Well, he keeps finding her. I think he is the ghost of the man who donated his heart to keep her alive. You're definitely right. Wait, oh my gosh. That's 100% what it is. I cannot wait for that to be the truth. Yeah, so Henry Golding died. They used his heart to save Amelia Clark, and now Amelia Clark has to learn to love Christmas. Using his heart to Do honor you think his death. She's going to fall in love with his ghost. No. I I wouldn't put it past them. So this thing is literally last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Yeah, and I'm really hoping by the very next day you gave it away, it means her body rejected the heart <laughs> transplant. <laughs> Do you think this is hell for her? Or Maybe. purgatory? Could be. The real question is, is it going to end with just the reversal of death? Like the movie we're watching <laughs> That's tonight? really what it's going to be. Somehow, when she learns to love Christmas, he will be brought back to his earthly form. Do we think Henry Golding was also a rum runner? Could be. Death has no holding over the love of Christmas. <laughs> hey, the magic of Christmas <laughs> is death. beyond is powerful beyond anything. I mean, like, next week we're going to be talking about It's a Wonderful Life, so we will have these, like, magical Christmas entities, but nothing on the level of, you like, what we're talking about here. The angel Joseph and God, <laughs> the magical Christmas entities. No, I meant Clarence. So, just an angel. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought you were talking about God as a magical. I need to rewatch that movie. It has it been rules. too long. It's narrated by Joseph. <laughs> what a movie! Jesus is an earthly dad. My honestly, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when they're at the Christmas dance and the floor falls out from underneath them. And every- that's not a Christmas dance. That's graduation. That's a high school graduation party. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a long yeah. time. So- and that's a real pool that still works. Oh, you're right because they're wearing like short sleeve dresses and walking home at night without coats. After. Yeah, Buffalo Gals, why don't you come out tonight? Yep, 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 yep. I love that scene where the floor falls out. It's great. Yeah. Apparently you can see Jimmy Stewart's toupee fall oh. off if you pay <laughs> close enough attention. That's amazing. Ah, uh, holiday movie tropes. <laughs> toupees flying <laughs> in the wind. I'm going to start counting the flying toupees I see in movies. <laughs> That'll be a very easy task. The flying toupees sounds like a really weird, like, circus troupe. Or a ska band. Oh, I was gonna- Oh, that sounds better. I was gonna say an acapella group. (laughs) A ska cappella group. Wait. Is the flying toupees a ventriloquist acapella group where they make it sound like flapping toupees on their heads are the ones doing the singing? (laughs) The worst image I've ever thought of. Welcome to We Love the Love, a (laughs) Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This, of course- is an investigative podcast committed to examining the most pressing, urgent issue of our day. Namely, does Hollywood holiday romance actually make any sense? And are any of these holiday people actually dateable or even likable?
it doesn't matter if the holiday romance is a main holiday plot or a one-scene holiday flirtation. That's Either impossible. way, we'll dig in and see what's there. It is our mission. And this week, again, under orders from our malevolent benefactors at Square Apron, we are digging into a month of Christmas movies guided in part by hashtag Fifi Fierce. Hey! So, Will, you brought us yes. this movie. We have you to blame for ruining <laughs> my life. I want you to know I have seen this movie two times, which is two times too many. So I've also seen this movie twice. It's quite dreadful, but I think it's kind of fantastic. Oh, it was so painful. This is this one was the wor- like the hardest movie to watch. So I I actually have I guess I've seen this two point two times because what's the point two? So some of my friends every year we have a day where we have like a Christmas movie marathon and we also play bingo. So we get together, we make a list of some bad Christmas movies that we're going to watch and we make bingo boards ourselves of classic Christmas movie tropes. And then we try to see who gets bingo first. And we tried to watch this movie and we probably made it 10 to 15 minutes in before saying, we cannot watch this. This is so bad. I cannot spend my life watching this movie. So we gave up. And then the following year, um, our cousin said, oh no, you must go back and rewatch this. It is incredible. So here we are, two watches later. I think this movie made me more homesick than anything in a while because I had to watch this alone. It was so hard to watch alone. It was hard to watch alone for multiple reasons. I've heard that, have we said the name of the movie? No. This movie is The Spirit of Christmas, a lifetime holiday movie from 2015, directed by David Jackson. He mostly directed TV episodes like Miami Vice, 21 Jump Street, Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman. This was his first Christmas movie. He has since made Christmas Perfection and Last Vermont Christmas. I need to watch those. Anyway, why would you Spirit of Christmas. watch this movie and think, I need to see more of this man's work, <laughs> Fiona? <laughs> you have if Stockholm I'm short, Syndrome for Christmas movies. There are uh, hundreds I of these, I definitely do. Okay. The star of this movie has been in like 12 alone. The guy or the girl? Jen Lilly. Okay. Um, so this movie, I find it incredibly creepy. So... I had to watch it by myself, and no one- I've heard you've been scared of this movie before. Mora and I, when we watched it last year, had to hold hands when we were watching it. When? (laughs) Because she's in the house, and you're hearing voices, and then you look through the doorway, and there's a cloaked shadow, and I'm like, what the heck is happening here? This is not what's supposed to happen, and like- A Lifetime Christmas movie. I watched it this time alone in my apartment and my bedroom door swings shut on its own all the time. And I kid you not, it happened about 15 times during this. Just shut the door. Why did you just leave it closed? (laughs) Because I don't like closing my door when I'm not in there because it seems like I'm closing my room off. I don't want to do that. Who cares? Especially if you're not in the room. Whatever. It's a scary movie. It is not. It is not. (laughs) The scariest part of this movie is every person's acting because (laughs) this is the worst acted movie I have seen. And it's every character. There's not a single redeeming performance in this movie. What about the caretaker? Like the dude who comes and takes care of the house and his friends with the ghost? He's so bad. He is as wooden as everyone else. The way they write him matches the weird old-timey, in quotation marks, (laughs) way that they wrote Daniel's dialogue. And no one talks like a normal human. Not even Kate, who, oh my god, as you can tell, this movie really got under my skin. 
how long was this movie? Because it, it felt like three nine, hours. 90 minutes. And it felt <laughs> longer than any three hour movie I've watched. <laughs> So bad. Pulling back the curtain, we're recording this on the same day as a To All the Boys I've Loved Before episode that'll come out in February. That movie is longer than this one. Yeah, and that one never feels long enough, and this one felt like a lifetime. <laughs> it's That's lifetime movie. My lifetime <laughs> movies, apparently. Oh my oh god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, The Spirit so of much. Christmas is written by Tracy Andreen, who has written a bunch of these. Fiona, I think you may have seen some of these. She wrote Snow Bride, Ice Sculpture Christmas. Sleigh Bells Ring, Switched for Christmas, Christmas Princess, Christmas Getaway, Christmas Joy. Not a single ounce of love goes into any Christmas movie. I don't think I've seen any of these. She wrote a movie called It's Christmas, Eve, and Picture a Perfect Christmas. I've seen none of these. I am slacking. Again, what about this movie makes you want to seek out more, Fiona? Uh... (laughs) I'm so mad. So the movie debuted on Lifetime on December 19th, 2015, and it actually premiered opposite Hallmark's movie, A Christmas Melody. And fun fact about the meeting of these two movies, A Christmas Melody included a jazz arrangement of Jingle Bells, which was sung by Jen Lilly, the star of this movie. Fascinating. It was from her jazz Christmas album called Tinsel Time Christmas. Please tell me that's a joke. It is not. So Jed Lilly might actually like Christmas as much as you're supposed to, to be a good person. Yeah. I think she's been on 12 of these. So she was on General Hospital for two years. Then she was on Days of Our Lives for like four. This was her first TV movie. But since then, she's done three more for Lifetime and eight for Hallmark. What are her other movies? Well, I saw Mingle all the way last year. Okay. That was a true gem. Um, pulling up the list of the others. She was also in, not all these are Christmas movies. Mommy, I Didn't Do It. A Dash of Love. Eat, Play, Love. Oh, f- Harvest Love. That. The Wedding Do-Over. Evil Doctor. Twin Betrayal. Yes, I Do. Mingle All the Way. Winter Love Story. Paris, Wine, and Romance. And Love Unleashed. These sound fascinating. So, I mean, it's a weird movie. It's about a lady who falls in love with a ghost. Yep. That's all there is to say. I feel like we should just start talking about the romance. Yeah. There's not that much more to say. It was filmed in Rentham, Massachusetts at an estate that is not haunted. So there's not even that interesting level. All right. Should we start? Yeah. Yeah. So every week we take the romance of the movie we're talking about and break it up into five points that summarize everything that's going on. So Fiona has seen this movie 2.2 times, which means it's... Point two more than I have. So she's going to be in charge of guiding us through the romance of the Spirit of Christmas. That's not a responsibility I want. (laughs) By the way, to be clear, Spirit of Christmas, it's a pun. Because Thomas Boydoin plays a ghost. So it's like a spirit, like a, ooh, spooky. And also like the spirit of Christmas that you have to keep alive. I wasn't sure that everyone was on board with this clever wordplay. Will's going to cut this out. A lot of this recording is just empty silence as we all sit here (laughs) mad at the movie. I think you need to leave one of them in. (laughs) Nothing has unified us in a hatred quite like this movie. (laughs) I am glad that you have now seen it, Mark. (laughs) I just have no words. Christmas Revenge. Okay, so... That should be one of these movies. It must be. I feel like Christmas Revenge could be like the um, the movie we came up with uh, for the, the florist who keeps sending the wrong flowers. 
the butcher's bouquet. Yeah, that could definitely be a holiday revenge thing. Well, I mean, we know the Hallmark Channel makes a bunch of Christmas movies. They also have a channel that is Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Oh, there we go. So Christmas Murder could go on there, or Christmas Revenge. Yeah. Guys. I like that. There's a 1915 film called A Christmas Revenge. Excellent. As well as a That's public domain. Watch it. As well as a 2018 film called Christmas A Revenge Tale. What's the 1915 one called? A Christmas Revenge. Broncho Billy becomes enraged when a stranger comes to town and wins the affections of his sweetheart. What was his name? <laughs> it's spelled B R O N C H O and it is directed by Broncho Billy Anderson. Oh, it's named after the director. It's his real name, I guess. Well, his real name is Gilbert M. Broncho Billy Anderson. Is this autobiographical? I don't know, but... Ooh, he plays Santa. We should watch it. I think so. Yeah, we gotta track this down. Anyway, <laughs> the spirit of Christmas. Fiona, why don't you guide us through the points of this movie? All right, so at the very beginning... New York City Christmas. We see Kate, and she's your classic Christmas character who is focused on her career, never been able to do well in a relationship. She's had multiple boyfriends. She doesn't love any of them, and she was worried that her boyfriend is going to propose. Instead, he breaks up with her, and she says, that's a relief. She eats his food. He gives this whole speech about, like, you are capable of fantastic love, but you're not making me a priority. And she's like... You're totally right. Also, I'm emotionally unavailable. Also, something definitely happened in my childhood. And maybe I should go see therapy. And she's like whimsically jumping through this litany of things and being like, yeah, that's what Ben said. That's what Sam said. It's so nice that you're not trying to propose to me and that you don't want me in your life because I don't care about Christmas that much. (laughs) You know, so I'm unlovable. If you're unhappy, you can stop dating. Like, you don't have to be going on these dates because it sounds like you hate them. Well, she hates Christmas, which is the equivalent of hating everything fun. Guys, in case you're wondering, I wrote I hate this in different ways four (laughs) times in my notes. I just counted. That's amazing. So she gets sent for work to this inn where the owner of the inn has passed away and they need to appraise it so that they can sell it. And she shows up. And the appraiser is running away. And he's like the third appraiser they've tried to get. Yeah, they're not really being successful with this appraisal process. So she shows up and she is talking to the manager of the inn. And he's like, well, we all have to go. No one can come back here until December 26th. And she goes, nope, I'm going to stay here. I don't believe in this ghost thing. I'm staying. Uh, so she's- Don't worry. Kate is from Boston. I think we need to <laughs> yeah. make that clear. Right, which is the city she's of probably, Christmas. She's probably there for the bustling community theater world of the city of I Boston. I believe that is the case. I mean, the caretaker of this estate feels adjacent to Charlie the janitor from Christmas Kiss. Exactly. I think when he leaves the inn for those 12 days of Christmas, he goes to work as the janitor at the theater. Oh, that makes sense. He is a much more developed character. He gets his own relationship. Yes. So she decides she's going to stay and she gets haunted by this ghost, Daniel, who basically he's trying to scare her away. He's at this house. He wants to be alone in the house. And so they get off to a rocky start and that's point one is that they do not like each other she's in his house he wants her out of his house let's be clear we had seen him before this because the first scene of the movie is him walking up to the house in the snow seeing a woman and a man on the porch and then he falls over and sinks into the snow presumably dead yes then we cut to you hear a jen lily getting broken up with right so 
she is now at the inn. This is point two now. She's at the inn. She has decided to stay there. She's basically moved in. You look in the bathroom and she's got her stuff just spread out everywhere as if it were her own bathroom. She was just supposed to go up to get the place appraised. She wasn't even supposed to spend the night there. Not a single night. And now she is living there. Daniel never explains why he cares about solitude so much. But you would think that he would be interested in talking to people considering he can never do that yeah, right. for the rest of the it's year. It's like, if you get to come back to life for 12 days a year, you'd think that you'd want to, like, be alive. Well, and they show him eating different meals, and, like, she comments on why is he choosing to eat grilled cheese. Like, if you only have a couple days, why would you choose grilled cheese? And then I think maybe he can't even taste the food. It's more of the sensation of, like, picking up a fork, stabbing it into food, moving it to your mouth. So when he said it's about the sensation, I assumed he was tasting it. Like, I don't need to eat, but I choose... Oh. to so that I can taste it. Okay. That did make me ask, though, if he can taste it and then presumably digests it, does he have ghost poops? Probably. He's not a he ghost, Will. He is physically Then he definitely has ghost dead. poops. Yeah. So- because the thing is, this dude, so he's murdered at the beginning of the movie. Then we cut to this point where we know whoever owned the house has died and, like, left it to Jen Lilly's foundation. And he manifests here for 12 days every year around Christmas. Not the 12 days of Christmas, which are the 12 days after Christmas, but the 12 days before Christmas. Which we find out are the 12 days he was not home when he promised to be home, but he was secretly off rum running. Right. So he was killed in the 20s. He was a rum runner during Prohibition. He insists on rum runner. He will not tolerate being called bootlegger. What is the distinction? Is rum runner more prestigious? I don't think so. Well, it's got runner in it, and he wants to sound like he's active. Oh, as opposed to just a legger. Right. I hate this man with every fiber of my being. He also has the most 2015 haircut. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. He doesn't look like a 1920s person. He looks like an annoying hipster in the present day. Exactly. I don't know if you guys ever saw the poster for this movie, but it tells you nothing about what it's about. It just looks like a turd hugging a redhead in a snowy area. Is her hair, are you saying her hair is red? It's like reddish. She is brunette. No, she has red hair. Yeah. Uh, hang on. As a redhead, I don't think I agree with that. Are you just trying to not embrace anything about this movie? Her hair definitely has some red qualities to it. It might have some hints. Okay, I'm looking at the like the picture when you Google search it. That is brown with some highlights. Yeah, I don't think she's a natural redhead, but I think she got like red highlights dyed into her hair. Yeah, the hair is redder. Maybe give you a dark auburn. Her hair is redder in some of the other movies. Okay. Yeah. And when she's outside, her hair looks redder than when she's inside. But also, yes. this movie's terrible. One of the lines I wrote down to give an example of how weirdly this man talks is he says, I merely want my solitude, which requires your departure. And it's like, have you never heard, like, they're trying to almost make him sound like he's from Charles Dickens' time, but he's <laughs> from the 20s. So we should be saying things like, you jazz and dumbass. <laughs> I'm sorry. What he, should say, he should say, you jazz. I'm trying to do equally bad lines of someone who's never heard of the 20s. Like so maybe weird, jazz your way out of here? Yeah, like the weird- Scram, jazz lady! <laughs> yeah, shit like that. Take your train and move it out the portal. He just throw jazz in every other word of his sentences. Yes, but- He was a jazz runner. <laughs> 
apparently they don't know what the 20s is. When he walked up too, I assumed it was the Civil War. And I was like, I don't need more <laughs> movies about white people in the Civil War. Yeah, their clothes are 19th century. The music sounded very Civil War to me. Yeah, because that's how they look. This is set in, like, his death must be in the late 20s, too, if it's during Prohibition, right? No, that started in the... Uh, No, Prohibition starts in 1920, 1921. But still, she's dressed like a Victorian, too. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're all over the place. It's almost like this movie was kind of (laughs) half-baked. You think? I mean, if you're only able to bake for 12 days every year, maybe you rush through some things. Things might be a little raw. I mean, would you have to write 100 Christmas scripts within 12 months? None of them are going to work. So, like, what's his status for the rest of the year? Like, does he just not exist at all? Is he non-corporeal? She asks him, and he says, like, I hate it, and that's about it. He's with the other ghosts, I don't know. But he also seems to hate being a person, like, during the 12 days. He's just a huge grump. Yeah. He's terrible. So he tells her all about his life. Um, Not the very personal details, but basically they think if they find out how he died, they can break this curse that causes him to return every Christmas. So they're doing all this research into him, into his family's history, into what happened after he died. He really thinks, he believes that his brother, who really had been in love with Lily, who is Daniel's lover. So they, after Daniel dies, we all know that Daniel's brother ends up marrying Lily and then a child is born. And throughout this whole process, we find out that the child is Daniel's, but Daniel thinks that his brother had kind of had him killed on purpose so he could get with Lily. It's very dramatic. So they're doing all this research to find out what the story is and to break the curse. Meanwhile, he's still trying to like figure out her deal, asking questions like, what does your husband say of you staying here? I know why he asked that question. Because secretly he's in love with her. Meanwhile, also her boss is really annoyed that she has decided to spend weeks at this inn instead of in Boston, the premiere. Yeah. She was supposed to be there for like two hours. Yeah. She should have been fired much earlier than he. Instead, she gets promoted. Which is a classic Christmas trope. Yeah. Like you think you're going to get fired and get promoted instead? No, that everything leading up to the holiday is riding on Or like your promotion is riding on how you deal with the holidays. So I guess maybe now that he's just alive again at the end of the movie, is she going to move back to Boston and continue her career? Or does she have to stay at this inn for the rest of her life? I think they're going to run the inn together. Molly and the caretaker take over the inn. Yeah. Oh, they bought it. You're right. I don't think he'd do very well in modern Boston. Yeah, I think it quickly becomes Kate and Leopold, and he's like getting in fights with Viola Davis. But the thing is, he's seen the world in some sense in the past 95 years. But only to the extent that it has come to his isolated lodge. So one thing he says is that the fact that Kate is not married means that modern men are dumb. Any man who does not want to be with Kate is No, any man who does not want to be with Kate is choosing the right path because she is terrible. Yeah, she's horribly emotionally stunted. She's also anti-Christmas. No. Is she actually anti-Christmas? Yeah, she says she never has plans for Christmas, and that's why she gets the job of dealing with the appraisal while her boss is in the Caribbean or something. So they spend this time bonding. They're learning about his history. He's still a little bit gruff towards her, but they're building a relationship. He insists on bartending. Well, that comes next. Point three is Kate and uh, the pub owner convincing Daniel that he has to host a Christmas party at the inn, and he agrees on the condition that he is the bartender. New York City Christmas. 
Right. Because they want to throw this thing as like a proof of concept that the inn could be turned into like a cool no, bar kind of situation. Just because right. her tavern is flooded and there's nowhere else in town that can help. Oh, that's the right. Party this oh, big. yeah. You're right. It's hard to keep track of details in this movie because nothing makes any sense. He doesn't agree to host the Christmas party. He just agrees to prove that he's a good bartender by having people come over. And to prove that they could host it there if he wanted to. So they have the party and the pub owner is kind of talking to Kate about all the mystery around the house and the drama. There is a framed copy of the article about Daniel's death on the wall for some reason. And so they're kind of talking about his personal life and he gets very upset. And he basically tells Kate, like, you're meddling in my personal life too much. This is crazy. You have to get out of here. This is done. Like, this was great, but I guess I'm just going to keep returning every year and we're done. Uh, She doesn't leave, though. She brings a Christmas tree back. They decorate it together. I think they hold hands at the end. They have another heart-to-heart about life and her romance in the past and his Lily. And he periodically just starts playing piano and playing, like, the required songs like in every one of these movies at some point there will be some invocation of the 12 days of christmas so he plays the 12 days of christmas objectively one of the he, worst christmas songs he also songs. just picks up a copy of a christmas carol at one point oh yes it looks very similar to the edition that was used in the christmas kiss cuz it's the first edition yes exactly cuz it's his from when he maybe was alive during yeah from when he was alive 70 years after Christmas Carol was written. Anyways, so meanwhile, she's kind of being haunted in this house. There's the evil, scary ghost that keeps opening it's her bedroom door and scary. whispering and shadowing around. It's not scary. It's a ghost poop. And he sits in her room, which she is not comfortable with. So he like stays in there while she sleeps to protect her. Because he doesn't need to sleep, which suggests he's not fully human when he returns. Right. Well, he doesn't need to eat either, but he does it. He does need to poop. Apparently. Okay, so they they have really formed this bond. So point four is her boss demands that she must return to Boston. They're having the Christmas party. She has to be there. She's going to get her promotion at the party. And she has to get back to work. She has not been working. But she also feels bad like she's abandoning Daniel. Oh, no. This ghost that she has known for at best... 10 days? Something like that. But before she leaves, he gives her his pocket watch that hasn't been able to open ever since he died. And so she goes off and that's where she finds out when she's in Boston, she's able to use her modern resources to find out that the child is in fact Daniel's child and that they named him after Daniel. So obviously the brother was not scheming against him despite his mutual feelings for Lily. Instead, he was murdered because he was trying to get out of the rum running game. Right. So she's in Boston, but they're having the Christmas party at the inn, and she surprises them all. She makes it back in time for the party. The murder mystery element of this movie is weirdly convoluted. For a movie that is, like, not long, and for the most part is a standard holiday Christmas movie, the murder mystery element is so difficult to grasp and requires you to remember so many different characters who you do not meet on screen. They just, like, talk about all these people. We don't meet Cousin Charles until the end. We don't meet, like, Montesquieu or whoever the French-Canadian guy is. (laughs) It doesn't matter what his name is. But here's the thing. Isn't the Cousin Charlie is the one who, for a couple years, was trying to help Daniel figure out who had killed him, right? Yes. And then at the party, multiple ghosts appear, including Charlie and Lily. And we end up finding out that Charlie is the murderer. And Charlie has killed Daniel Because he was forced to from the Rum Runners. So then Charlie achieves closure 
and he's able to Daniel forgives him. And then Lily tells Daniel, like, stop angsting about all this. You can go on with me if you want, or become human and hook up with Jen Lily. But this was after Lily watched him kiss Kate. And then Kate passed out on the couch. And so he's like tucking her in. And that's when Lily says, you can choose me or her. Right. He kisses her so hard she passes out. No, I think he like, because that's so romantic. They agree. Or she says like, I won't love anyone except for you 12 days out of the year. So she's going to have a relationship with someone she can only see for less than two weeks, which I guess is a better. This is perfect for her. This is exactly what she wants. Because she doesn't want to be in a relationship. She wants to be able to live her life. But she also clearly on some level wants a man. So this is the perfect arrangement for her. The fact that he then comes back and becomes a person is her nightmare scenario. But then when they are kissing and there's like the scene of her floating back down as she's passing out, you hear his voice say, my gift to you is that you will be able to love someone and you will find that love. And like, you'll remember me through that love for this other person. But it doesn't count if he's then the person. So is his gift taken away? Yeah, he's like, here's a gift. It's me. (laughs) I think that's what I wrote. I f***ing hate this, which was the last time I wrote. I hate this. (laughs) So point uh, five then. New York City Christmas. Kate wakes up the next day. I believe it's Christmas Day. Daniel is gone. Or maybe it's the 26th. I'm not sure. But Daniel is gone and she's kind of wandering around the house. She finds out that the manager of the inn and the pub who are now dating have bought the inn. And this way, if Daniel has not been freed from his curse, he can return there to a safe environment every year. And then all of a sudden, she sees Daniel walking He's through the forest. Walking from the, to the same house. direction where he was murdered, which leads me to believe that his corpse has just been lying in the woods this whole time and has now been reanimated. Well, the snow was cold, so it was kind of like a preserving effect on the body. I would have enjoyed this movie so much better if he walked back as a, like, decaying corpse. <laughs> rotting <laughs> corpse. Like, clawing Yeah, and then way. she's like... Oh, you're not handsome anymore. This is my gift. You should not have chosen me. So then he comes back. She's like, maybe we should just be friends. (laughs) He chooses her and they're together for, I don't know, forever? Uh, Who knows? They're together now in the present day. So after watching this whole movie, do we find the romance between Kate and Daniel believable? No! There's no buildup. They're just in love all of a sudden. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, first, they're very grumpy with each other. She's annoyed. She tries to get him arrested. Oh, yeah. She calls the sheriff, like, five times. And the sheriff, like, comes to find her locked in the bathroom. Yeah. Fiona, have you ever locked yourself in the bathroom? No. (laughs) Fiona, is that a lie? (laughs) Maybe. Fiona once was home alone and thought she heard a noise in another part of the house. So she locked herself in the bathroom. I did hear a noise in the other part of the house. You heard water going through pipes. It sounded like someone like pulling toilet paper off the wall. So the premise in Fiona's mind was that someone broke into the house and stopped to use the bathroom. Reasonable. Maybe it was an emergency. She shut herself in another bathroom. Locked the door, and I believe you crouched on the toilet holding the lid of the toilet bowl so that if somebody came in, you could smash it on their head? Yeah, I learned that in my PE self-defense class in high school. You also did not call anybody because you didn't want to be heard. Right. You did not text anybody. No, because I had an old flip phone that was very, like, when you typed, so I was worried someone could hear that if I tried to text someone. How long did you sit in this bathroom? Over an hour. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I don't think you get to make fun of Kate too much. I, I just think it's embarrassing that the sheriff found her. I didn't call the sheriff to come get me out of the bathroom. So it would have been less embarrassing if like someone had come into the house, she had walked out of the bathroom, stared at them for a couple seconds, then turned, screamed, and ran out of the inn, which is what you did on this day because you saw an open door move because of wind. Yeah. So we also didn't talk about the fact that the first time they meet, one, you'd think an inn would turn off clock chimes at midnight, but instead the inn is like deafening. Especially an inn that is closed. But then she goes downstairs and sees him and an urn falls on her head and she passes out. So did she did she bump it off though? Did yeah, she back she up into, into the cabinet? Yes, that's what and happened. And then it and fell. It's just like, and then she wakes up the next morning and calls. And he goes, Sarah. "You're trespassing." <laughs> Everything about this is ridiculous. That takes off some believability points, in my opinion. Right. At first, she tries to get him arrested. Oh, because she's saying he's a squatter. Right. He tries to drive her out of the house, calling her a trespasser, telling her to leave, and then. Kind of on a dime, they fall in love in a very short window. It hits you out of nowhere. You don't know when love is coming. Okay, so we rate the romantic believability of every movie on a scale from 0 to 10, where 0 is totally unbelievable and 10 means we believe all of it. Fiona, where would you put the spirit of Christmas? A 0. There is nothing about this that's realistic. How do you fall in love with a ghost in three days? You know. You said that like you have had experience with falling in love with ghosts. <laughs> I met a ghost and let me tell you, you don't fall in love with them. Also, the fact that he now is here to be with her. No, none of this is realistic. That's a zero. When did you meet a ghost? You don't know, like you can't remember or you don't know, like it was a lie that you cannot now follow through. It was a joke. Ha 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 ha. That laughter is also a lie. I also agree that this movie is a hard zero. Maybe a one, just to separate it from a Howard the what? Duck. Ugh, I don't, there's no points for it in my book. I, I really do have nothing. I mean, yes, you accept the reality of the ghosts, but like even the decision making among the ghosts about how that romance will go down doesn't make yeah. any sense. F- this movie. Okay. Do no. you think that Kate and Daniel no. are dateable? No. Daniel is not He's a human. annoying. He is just a wooden machine programmed to read terrible dialogue. And Kate is a horrible person that says things like, I haven't learned how to love. And Daniel says, I believe you have a great capacity for love. They are both the kind of people that I could spend max five minutes a year with. What about 12 days a year? Not, nope, that's too much. If you did have to pick one person in this movie, and you do... Whom would you date? Well, the inn manager is, like, fine enough. He owns an inn. Her boss goes on fun vacations, though. I I might like to date him and go on those fun Caribbean vacations. Molly seems kind of fun. She's like the town gossip and runs a bar. Yeah, she does seem cool, too. Yeah, I think she's the answer. Uh, yeah, you're right. She's also the person who's, like, pushing everybody to have more fun in their life. Yeah, she's bringing the spirit of Christmas to them, figuratively. Wait. Oh my gosh, this movie's title is a pun. We're not doing this again. You already did this. And then the spirit of Christmas, like keep Christmas with you all through the year. Kate and Daniel would stay together. I think she has to now. She made him she made him stay on Earth. So like anytime you have a fight, he's like, Well, I'm not a ghost with Lily for you. Yeah, I think they have to. They might resent each other, but she's gonna have to stay. He's gonna learn in like 10 minutes that women are allowed to vote and to 
I guess that had happened. Women could vote when he died. But that women are allowed to, like, have jobs. Could black people vote? Depends on where you live. Wear pants and be expected to, like, not be, you know, a horrible racist misogynist. And then she's gonna be like, oh, wow, you're from the 20s. I hate you. And then break up with him. I think you underestimate the power of love, Mark. I think he's also, is he immortal now? Or is he gonna die again? Like, what is gonna happen? I think he'll die again. I think he's now a person. So he gets to live to his old age as he would have had he not been murdered by the There's also like- That is my theory. The movie does not get into any of this. There's no legal record of his existence. So if she gets annoyed, she could just murder him and no one can prosecute her. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think that about does it for The Uh, Spirit of Christmas. should this movie be made into a musical? No. Let's move on. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. I'm surprised it wasn't a musical to start with. All right. That does it. I hated this. Next week, as we said, we'll be talking about It's a Wonderful Life, a Christmas classic. A movie that is much better than this one. Yeah, it's fun. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews on Apple Podcasts are especially helpful. Last question, Fiona. What is the best piece of dating advice you got from the spirit of Christmas? Um, give the person a nickname that they hate, such as Deej, DJ, and eventually they'll probably just decide that it's cute and fall in love with you. Hashtag Fifi Fierce. <laughs> My advice is die, because then you won't have to watch this movie, and you might find love. <laughs> <laughs> My advice is if you think somebody is cute, Call the cops on them and then have the person hide. And then the cops will think you're weird, but you'll have a nice bonding experience. <laughs> what kind of bonding experience is that? I don't know. It works for them. Well, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. 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 Da luz en la noche, la gente en apuros por la quinta avenida, todos de compás, regalos para todos. <laughs>